0: We uh, live in a, a pretty celebrity-oriented culture at the moment, um, politics is not about parties, it's about Cameron Clegg Milliband. Films don't need just a good plot, they need A-list actors to lead the cast. Footballers are not just uh, sportsmen, they are a brand, even if they need a body double occasionally to um, maintain the image. And it's very easy to slip into the ma- into a mindset which sees the world essentially as a place dominated by a few superhuman individuals whilst the rest of us are just sort of pawns in their game. Actually, that's not new. In the 19th century, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, Thomas Carlyle popularised the idea that, that history is um, just the uh, is but the biography of great men friedrich nietzsche on the continent spoke vividly about the ubermensch the superman who rules Uh, The world, and they in turn were building on, uh, frankly, an almost unbroken tradition of powerful, egocentric, ruthless, great men who saw themselves as ruling the world, from Alexander the Great to down to Louis XIV, who uh, said—or may not have um, said—people disagree, uh, "L'état c'est moi," the state—that's me. Christianity and, the, uh, and the, the, the Bible have always been deeply suspicious of that attitude. The Bible actually is full of great and sometimes powerful people But it always records their flaws, as well as their virtues, and it never excuses their failings. You know, Winston Churchill, a a man full of flaws, um, uh, once had his valet complain, you were rude to me, sir, to which Churchill replied, but I am a great man. And there is not a hint of that in scripture. The greatest biblical heroes have their failings ruthlessly exposed and they are humbled by them. Actually, more than that, as we saw at the beginning of this book of of Ezra, it is not great leaders, says the book of Ezra, that change the course of history. It is God. Remember, the book of Ezra is describing this period late in the uh, history of the Old Testament when the glory days of Israel are long past. Indeed, a lifetime earlier, Israel had finally gone into exile as a result of their sin. And the book of Ezra records how the people sporadically, in dribs and drabs, returned to the Promised Land over a number of decades and slowly rebuilt Um, uh, the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. And we've been reading this book of Ezra as a sort of test case, as an example of how God restores the fortunes of his people in general. How he revives the work of the gospel. How indeed he brings today life to churches as he has been doing amongst us. How, um, uh, who achieves such restorations, we've been asking, and the answer has come back, God. Ezra 1 described God moving the heart of Cyrus, the Persian emperor, to enable the Israelites to return. It described God moving the hearts of his people so that they would be generous, and indeed even the, uh, the hearts of ordinary Persians so that they would be generous uh, in, uh, uh, in their building work. And interestingly, this book that bears the name of Ezra doesn't in, even introduce the main character to us for the first six chapters. I mean, it is God who moves, says this book. Um, God who restores. There is no worship of heroes here. There, is no, there are no uber-mention. But God uses leaders. Alongside all that we have learned about the primacy of God in restoring his people, we need this morning to also balance that out with the clear message in scripture that God does use leaders. Leaders in particular of a certain kind. Actually, there are three great leadership roles in the Bible and all of them appear in, uh, uh, in the book of Ezra. The Bible gives a lot of emphasis on to kings, to prophets and to priests. And the office of king is in Ezra, represented by a man called Zerubbabel, who pops up in various places. He has a, a very reduced authority, to be honest, compared to great predecessors of his, like David. He's exercising a much more modest le- leadership role. But there he is, um, back in Ex- Ezra 2, verse 2, for instance, as the uh, exiles return um, to the promised land. In chapters 3 to 5, we find him him leading the building of the altar and the temple. And he's carefully recorded every time alongside multiple other leaders, heads of families and clans, to give the strong impression that even if Israel once was dominated by a a great all-powerful king, now she is evolving towards a much less autocratic form of government. But here is Zerubbabel, a royal leader, and then uh, in the Bible there are prophets the role of prophets is to is to speak the word of God to everyone they don't rule in a way that a king does, but they do exercise immense power. And uh, two prophets pop up, Haggai and Zechariah, who actually in the Bible have their own books of prophecy recorded. But uh, here they're mentioned in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, for instance. Haggai the prophet, Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Israel, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them And Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, that's our king man, and Joshua, son of Jozadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. The prophets of God were with them, supporting them. And then finally, there are priests in the Bible. Their big emphasis is... Sorry, that is a big emphasis in this book of, of, of um, uh, Ezra. That man Joshua, son of, of Josadak, was the chief priest of his day in the early chapters and he stands alongside Zerubbabel at key moments just uh, like, as, as we read. But chapter 7 describes a new era. Did you notice after these things, chapter 7 verse 1, Sixty years or so have passed since the days of Zerubbabel and Joshua and Haggai and Zechariah. In chapter 4, actually, we we noted that we, we glanced forward towards that future period under Xerxes and Artaxerxes after the days of Cyrus and Darius who had given so much support to the work of God. Xerxes and Artaxerxes were not so positive and the work faltered But to that situation um, steps this priest, Ezra. After these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of... and so on and so on and so on. Great emphasis is placed on Ezra's ancestry. It is really important which family he belongs to because it is really important that we understand that he is qualified to be the leading priest of his day Israel needs a king Israel needs prophets Israel needs a chief priest a priest who will represent God for the people a priest who will who, who will who will um, uh, bring the word of God to uh, people. A who, uh, a people a priest who will represent the people to God offering sacrifices for their sins and here is Ezra the priest stepping into the breach and indeed receiving a favourable word from Artaxerxes as we read and reestablishing the work of God in his day all of, all of that is actually pointing to us towards one of the central insights of the New Testament. You see, we still need prophet, priest and king. We still need someone to speak on God's behalf, someone to lead God's people, someone to stand between the people and God. But in the New Testament we're told that is Jesus the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, right at the beginning of the New Testament, is a long genealogy, this time establishing Jesus' royal descent He is the King of Israel. He will be crucified with a notice over his head. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. He speaks as a prophet, but as a new kind of prophet. He doesn't say, thus says the Lord. He says, truly, truly, I say unto you. He is a prophet who speaks not just for God, but as God. And he is a priest bringing the presence of God to the people. But a new kind of priest who doesn't offer animal sacrifices on their behalf but offers himself on our behalf, paying himself in his death on the cross for our sins. All of those leadership themes in the Old Testament then, a prophet, priest and king, are converging on this one extraordinary character who is central in Scripture. It is Jesus. What does it take to revive God's people, we've been asking. And our answer today is it takes a leader. It takes a great leader kind of leader. It takes Jesus. You want someone to follow who really inspires you, who will be your leader through thick and thin, who functions as the king of your life? Follow Jesus, says the Bible. All of those other supermen, the, the politicians, the, 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 the celebrities, the, the sportsmen like Oscar Pistorius will fail you. But King Jesus will not. You, you, you want someone who will provide a prophetic voice into your life. Listen to Jesus, says the Bible. You want someone to come alongside you as a priest, to, to bring the comfort of God to you, who will minister on your behalf before God, who will, who, who will assure you of your forgiveness before God. A faithful priest don't go to self-serving, self-appointed priests who will always fail you and frankly the last uh, few years has, has tra- shown sometimes fail you in the most heinous ways. Come to Jesus. He offered himself as a sacrifice for your sins. You will find no better priest than that. The need for a, for, a, for, a, for a perfect human leader lies very, very deep in our human psyche. Atheist regimes survive by deifying their leaders. A friend of mine um, met some North Koreans visiting Cambridge University. It's amazing. Um, North Koreans. Um, and he said to them, what, what will you have to do when you go back? And they said, when we go back, we will immediately go to the statue, the great statue of Kim Il-sung, and we will venerate him and thank him for his grace to us in letting us travel. And uh, religions always find themselves doing the same thing whether it is venerating the Buddha or Muhammad or an ailing octogenarian in the Vatican, the answer to that tendency is not to venerate no one at all. It's almost as if the human soul finds that impossible. The answer is to venerate the only person in history who has ever been worthy of our veneration, the prophet, priest and king Jesus. I want you to have that really, really firmly in your mind before I say what I'm going to say um, uh, now for a little while because it is absolutely vital that we have that in our mind. God revives his people both corporately and individually, through Jesus. It is the words of Jesus, the prophetic words, that will strike into your hearts. It is the rule of Jesus over your life that will guide you. It is the priestly ministry of Jesus that will comfort you and bring you to God. Though I stand here as a leader amongst you, I do not stand as someone who can do any of those things for you, but only as someone who is called to point to Jesus. So with that very firmly in, in our mind, we then do need to recognise that God does use other leaders. They have a much more modest role as, uh, for instance, Zerubbabel is starting to have a much more modest role than the great kings of the past. But they have a role and Ezra is presented to us as a model leader of a certain kind. And we need to look in chapters 7 and 8 at just some of the lessons that he teaches us about the kinds of of sub-leaders that we need. Um, uh, that God's people need. The first thing I want you to notice in verses 8 to 10 is that Ezra is primarily a teacher. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He'd begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month for the gracious hand of the Lord was on him. Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. He is a teacher of a certain kind who has done things in a certain order. Did you notice that? He had first devoted himself to study of God's Word. God's church needs people to lead them who will be serious, hard-working students of Scripture. Then second, he had devoted himself to the observance of God's law. And the Christian world, frankly, is full of intelligent people who know their Bibles backli- backwards and yet who are not particularly notable as followers of Jesus. And such, such people are a dangerous menace in God's church because for a while they can uh, deceive people into thinking that they are model leaders, but they are not. Now, that, that doesn't mean to say that we look for perfection, Amongst leaders, we'll see more of that in a minute, but we are to look, look, look for leaders who are, who are making a decent stab at not only understanding God's word but obeying God's le- word. And it is only after those two things are in place, as uh, the writer puts it, that then he should be ready to teach God's word. Once again, leaders who are content, actually, with, with personal understanding and with, with um, a personal commitment to obedience, but without much of a commitment to giving, what God has taught them to other people are not much use. God's church, God's people need, need leaders who have, a, who have a burning desire to give what God has given them to others so that they in turn will be raised up and encouraged and built up and conformed to the likeness of Christ. That's the kind of leader that God's people need. And it's been, been my great privilege these last 16 years or so in Maudlin Road that, that you've given me the freedom to be primarily a teacher of God's word. Um, as you look for a new pastor as as Judy and I prepare to uh, move on to Trinity Church as uh, was mentioned I want to say to you look for someone like Ezra Not not an entertainer not necessarily an inspirational leader not primarily an organiser not someone who will drink tea with all and sundry not someone who is everyone's friend actually but someone who devotes himself to God's word, who is sincerely committed to obeying it. Not not perfectly. Remember the Apostle Paul saying to Timothy, make sure that people see your progress. In other words, in other words, a pattern of being of, of being shaped by God's word is the key thing, not perfection. And someone who is committed to teaching God's word to God's people faithfully, clearly, profoundly. Ezra is a teacher. The only gift that is mentioned that, uh, that is required for elders beyond the character traits, the only gift is able to teach in the New Testament. God's people need such people. And Ezra was, um, let's see it very clearly, a leader of others. It's actually very obvious that he's not a solitary leader. We spared Kitty the um, reading those first 15 verses of cha- chapter 8. But there is a long list there of the family heads who also returned with Ezra to re-establish their temple worship. He, he didn't lead alone. He led with others, with empowering and, and, and uh, um, uh, uh, guiding those others so that they too could be leaders with him. And he spots in verse 15 a missing kind of leader. I assembled them at the canal that flows around, this is 8 verse 15, Uh, uh, towards Havah and we camped there for three days I checked among the people and the priests and I found no Levites there so I summoned Eliezer these people who worked with him and they go out and um, uh, find uh, about 38 or so uh, good men verses 18 and 19 and then 20 and they also brought 220 of the temple servants a body that David and the officials had established to assist the Levites who were registered by name he sees a lack he gathers some of these other leaders he's working with and he, and he says, look, we need these, this kind of leader. We need Levites with us. Let's, let's fill that gap. And God graciously and abundantly fills that gap. I, I want to say to you, good leaders are like that. Good, 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 good leaders are, are, are both alert to where the, where the gaps are and willing and able to, to raise up and train and mentor and encourage other leaders who can fulfil those roles. No longer does it need to be that you're from the right family, thank the Lord. Or I certainly wouldn't be here. Now it's qualifications of character that the New Testament looks for. And... Let me say again, as I often say, the great need of our hour in this country is for there to be more and more and more people who can take a leadership role in the church, whether it's paid or not, people who can be involved in church planting. The needs and opportunities at the moment in this country are legion. I think every evangelical church that I know is growing, We're considering two church plants. Ah, That's rare, probably, at that extreme level, but there are other churches up and down the country who are wanting to plant and establish new churches and they are saying, where are the leaders? We're growing, but we don't want to grow fat. We want to see the gospel go to new areas and new places up and down this country, let alone beyond the bounds of this country? Where are those who will step up to the plate? And I have said many times, and let me say it again, a church like ours in a city like ours is likely to have a higher proportion of people who, who have the gift to teach that I was talking about that is a qualification for eldership. So it is not surprising that a particular emphasis of our life as a church over the last 10 or 15 years has been seeking to shape and teach and train and mentor and encourage people towards being the kind of mature believer who can take a lead in a church of one sort or another. And I've... I've chivied you over the years um, and uh, the Lord has blessed us modestly but I still continue to believe that this this is a great calling of any church that is based in this city to be involved in that. One of the things that always comes back to me when I start talking about this subject is what about me? I need to be encouraged and so on not, not simply to be investing in those people who, 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 uh, who move on through and I want to say to you the New Testament is not lying when it says it is more blessed to give than to receive you will be blessed says the New Testament you will be blessed more if you have an attitude of giving The blessing comes back. The blessing is weaker if we have an attitude of simply wanting to receive. It's been a great privilege of mine to be involved in a church that has given and given and given over the years to people where we do not see the fruit here of the work that we do. Let me tell you one story. A few weeks' time, a number of us will be going to preach um, on successive weeks at a new uh, church plant that has uh, popped up more or less spontaneously in Cheltenham. It's actually being led by a young man who works for the Home Office um, in in Cheltenham who was here for a while. Actually, he wasn't yet a Christian when he was first here, full of questions. And... Uh, This church invested in him. I I don't think I know anyone here who remembers him because that's the nature of what it means to belong to this church. But that young man came to faith while he was uh, uh, coming here and that young man then emailed me a little while ago and said, remember me? Well, I'm leading a church plant. Ezra saw a lack. He saw a need. He mobilised people to to fill that need so that God's people would be a powerful force. God's church needs needs leaders like that. And Ezra was, um, sorry I haven't flicked this on, not only a teacher and a leader of others, he was a man of faith. A man who actually shows, just in these couple of chapters, deep dependence on God, deep thankfulness for all that, that, all that God does. After King Artaxerxes gives his permission for Ezra to go to the Promised Land and, and re-establish temple worship there, Ezra doesn't puff himself up and say, wow, what great diplomatic skills I've got to change Artaxerxes from that previous negative uh, um, uh, edict that he gave back in chapter 4 to this one. He thanks God. Verse 27, uh, sorry, uh, oh, that's because I'm in the wrong chapter. The, um, chapter 7, Verse 27. Tw- Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honour to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, who has extended his good favour to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials. Because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage and gathered leaders from Israel to go up with me. God, he says, has changed the king's heart. God has given me favour. God's hand is on me. I give all the praise back to God. He is no demagogue. He is no self-exalting autocrat. He is a man of faith, a man under of God. And a man, chapter 8, verse 21, deeply aware of his own weaknesses and sins. By the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. Um, They humbled themselves fasted because they were aware that they had um, uh, no goodness in themselves. They needed to seek God's mercy and God's forgiveness if he was not to bring judgment on them. Never trust a leader who gives the impression that they are without sin. It's been a great blessing to me actually that you've never assumed that I was sinless. Um, and I've never been able to pretend that I was. Um, and uh, you, you have borne with my sins and my weaknesses. Well, learn the ones that you haven't uh, haven't seen. And I'm enormously grateful for that in the church. And I pray that you will have that attitude with any leaders. And you will look for that attitude in any leader. I can't resist coaching Churchill for a second time. Um, It's not my habit, those who are not regular, but he once said of Clement Attlee, Attlee is a humble man. He has a lot to be humble about. (laughs) And so does everyone. And we never forget it. God needs leaders who know that and who do, not, who do not inhale the toxic smoke of adulation but who humble themselves regularly. <coughs> but alongside that deep faith in God and that deep humility before God is a great courage. Verse 22, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. You can imagine Ezra going, going, through, his mind, going through his mind, ah, I may have spoken a little bit boldly in front of uh, Artaxerxes. <laughs> Well, I'm carrying a really a rather lot of gold with me. A generation later, Nehemiah will return. Um, he hadn't made such great uh, claims, and he wisely took a whole cohort of armed uh, armed uh, men with him to protect his gold. But Ezra's put God's reputation on the line, and now he's done it. He's going to stand defenseless and seek for God to vindicate Himself. That is his courage he will not let the name of God be demeaned because of his cowardice. God's church needs Christians who are like that. Christians you know, in, in paid leadership and unpaid leadership who are not particularly obsessed by security, by the career path, by money, by reputation, by status, by establishing an easy life for themselves, but who will courageously stand for God, go for God, live for God, Let God's reputation be um, greatly exalted as a result of their stand for him. Now, I want to say to you in different ways, that should be the calling of every single one of us. But in particular, I want to say to you: if God is calling you in a particular way to, to leadership, whether it whether it's 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 now, immediately, or whether you feel that might be the case in in uh, uh, in the longer term, I want to say to you: now is the time to respond to that. Now is the time to be the kind of person who is deep in Scripture and committed to obeying it so that you will be able to teach in time. Now is, now is the to be the kind of person who learns to lead others. Now is the time to be growing and developing as a, a man or a woman of faith who thanks God and praises Him for all the things He gives, who is, uh, who is humbly... Committed to not growing in pride and who is courageous. I want to say to you, will you respond to the example of Ezra? The leader of God's people. From beginning to end is Jesus. Never forget that. But Jesus loves to use people who set out to follow him in that way. Is that you?